Welcome to Global Outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. We're delighted to have you with us again today. We are going to look at something the Lord has put on our hearts with a fiery passion about crashing the gates of hell. God wants his church to step up and be who he created us to be as overcomers because the overcomer lives inside of us. Yes, amen. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19, talks about what happened up at Caesarea Philippi when Jesus was there with his disciples. Tell us your impressions of Caesarea Philippi, Philip, when we were there. This was a very popular place. It's one of the three tributaries of the Jordan River. This is where it starts. It comes out of the ground in a big cave. But they used to say it would go down to hell. Down there, there was no ends to the depths, and they would sacrifice at this spot. I mean, they would tie them rocks on them, and the, it was the worship of the god Pan, is what was going on here. And you go today, and you can still see things in the walls that are still there that go back to that time era. So this was a gathering place, not only for getting water but also because of the worship, the idolatry that was going on in this place. It was called the gates of hell, and the water is just bubbling up just uh, just out of the cave, right out of the floor of the cave. It would just, you could look in and you could see where, where it came out. And so it was a very popular place uh, to be there. And so this is where— But not for Jews. It was but, an idolatrous place. Yeah, so the fact that Jesus was there with his disciples was— uh, I think he has something to do with the gates, with dealing with the gates of hell. He had a plan. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a plan and a purpose. Hallelujah. So read that scripture for us, if you would. Okay, it says, verse 13. Now, when Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they answered, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth must be what is already bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. So Peter's name means rock, and he's the one that God used on the day of Pentecost to preach that first gospel message about the outpouring, about how this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And that's why we're here. That's, Amen. That's our, that's our whole theme right now that God has given us, is the outpouring and how the beginning of the outpouring was on the day of Pentecost. And that what happened in the book of Acts was like a first fruits version of what is about to come in in a huge deluge of a harvest, a deluge like 
not like the rains that we're having as a result of a, of a hurricane, but more like Niagara Falls. This is the kind of outpouring that we're expecting. But it's also that this rock is the revelation that Peter had from God that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. The word Christ means Messiah. And both of those words, Messiah comes from the Hebrew, Christ comes from the Greek, and they both mean the anointed one. The ones that were anointed in history were the kings and the priests. And Jesus is both the king and our high priest. And so this revelation of who he is as the Son of God, he's the Son of God. He's the one who saved us from death, hell, and the grave because of the price that he paid on the cross. And he is the breaker that is spoken of in Micah chapter 2 and verse 13. It says, the breaker is come up before them. They have broken up and have passed through the gate and are gone out by it. And their king shall pass before them and the Lord, Jehovah, on the head of them. It's, it's talking about Jesus, the Messiah, being the breaker. And when we have relationship with him, he is the one that breaks the gates. So this idea that the, that the gates of hell will not prevail, or the gates of Hades, will not prevail against the church. Now, I don't know about you, but my upbringing in church wasn't that kind of attitude about the gates of hell. It was more like, ooh, ooh, well, if we'll just stay in the secret place of the Most High, the gates of hell won't hurt us. Uh, that's not what this is talking about. The gates are a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Gates determine who goes in and who goes out. Yes. And so this, the keys that have been given to, to, uh, to Peter in this case, or, or to the church, these keys have to do with who gets into the kingdom of God. Yes. And it also says that the, ch- the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So the breaker, Jesus, the Messiah, inside of us has that breaker anointing. I'm currently studying Barbara Yoder's book, The Breaker Anointing, and I highly recommend it. It's a powerful book that talks about this breaker anointing from from the scripture I just read in Micah and how this word breaker comes from the word parats in Hebrew that's that's talking about breakthrough. It's the it's the breakthrough anointing. And Jesus is the one that breaks through for us. And when he went to the cross, he went there as a man, fully 100% a man, who never, ever, ever sinned. So he was a perfect sacrifice. He was a spotless lamb, as it were, just like in, in the days when, when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt. In the same way, they had to slaughter a lamb and put its blood on the doorposts to protect them as the destroyer went over them. Jesus is that Passover lamb that prevents the destroyer from taking us to hell. Yes, amen. We all deserve to go to hell. Even, Even the slightest sin is cause for death. It's like poison. 
You know, when Adam and Eve ate from that tree, God had warned them, don't eat from it. It's poison. It'll kill you. Hmm. Yeah. But Jesus came as the second Adam to reinstate us into that Garden of Eden position with God, knowing him, walking with him, hearing his voice, letting him write his words in our hearts, stamping out our iniquity, blotting it out of his books, erasing it. It doesn't exist anymore. He rewrites our history, basically. Yes. Amen. And, and, and then he's, he's the breaker. He will break through the gates. So the idea here is that there are gates in people's lives that are trying to keep them captive, that are trying to keep them as children of hell. No, this one belongs to me, says the devil. This one belongs to me. And no, God says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so we see here in verse 19, you read it from the Amplified. And I think that's significant uh, how it says that, that you can bind on earth what has already been bound in heaven. Mm-hmm. And you can loose on earth what has already been loosed in heaven. So we see here the importance of prayer and communion with God in order to loose the people who have not yet come in in the harvest, to loose them from the bondages that Jesus paid for. Jesus is in heaven as our advocate. He is there as our defense attorney, and he is standing in the courts of heaven, and he is giving testimony on our behalf, and he's giving testimony for those who are going to be the heirs of salvation that haven't yet come in. And we, as the children of God, we who have already come to know him, we who are already in the kingdom, have a responsibility in prayer to step up with Jesus and also give testimony on behalf of those who are bound, on behalf of those who need to be loosed. And Jesus' blood is crying out on our behalf, saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Just like what he said when he was on the cross, his blood is still saying that. And so when we see that there are people on earth that are not yet saved, that need to be saved, our job as intercessors is to step up to the courts of heaven and say, Father, We want to put in our testimony because out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, these things shall be established. And Jesus is one witness that's already speaking in heaven in the presence of the Lord. And when we step up and add our testimony in agreement, adding our petition before our father who is the judge, you know, it's kind of stacked in our favor. If our father is the judge and our older brother is our defense attorney, it is stacked in our favor. It's, it's already done. You know, he's, he's already, he already set this thing up before he ever said, let there be light. He set it up so that (laughs) everything would work together for good to them that love him and that are called according to his purpose. And maybe they've been called according to his purpose, but they don't yet love him. And it's our job to pray. Pray for those that are in trouble. Pray for those because we are the restrainers. We are the ones that are that are holding the keys, as it were, the keys to the kingdom of God. It was given to Peter for the church. 
it's on this rock that the church has mm-hmm. built. So we are still carrying on as the church, even though Peter has gone on to his reward. And I don't honestly know whether he actually stands at the gate of heaven, like, you know, like <laughs> has been said, but we'll find out when we get there. That's really not the important part. The important part is that we can intercede and we can see God move and we can hear the testimony of Jesus, and we can get into agreement with it. And we can be the ones who restrain, just like it says in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, For the mystery of iniquity is already working. Only he who now restrains will restrain until he be taken out of the way. Now, some folks have interpreted that, that this is referring to the Holy Spirit and that after the rapture, the Holy Spirit will be taken out. That doesn't make sense when it talks about people getting saved during the Great Tribulation. You have to have the Holy Spirit to be saved. The Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit works in your heart in order to bring you to the kingdom of God. So this is talking about the church. This is talking about that ecclesia. Some of you may have, have heard others talking about the ecclesia in the earth today and how it's the ecclesia was the was a governing body of elders that stood at the gates of a city mm. or they they would park themselves there to determine who gets to come in and who gets to go out it's a governing legislative body and that is the mature church the mature people of god who are saying yes according to the scriptures, agreeing with the scriptures, saying this is, this is what's going to happen because the scripture says it is going to happen. So we are speaking what the word of God says, and we're saying no to the, to the agenda of the enemy that is trying to push his agenda into place out of God's time. So it's the church, the mature church, the ecclesia, that is the the ones who are saying no. The, we're the restrainers. We're the ones who are holding things back. And so it's our job to hold things back. We cannot let up on prayer, especially in these days. Yes. And I want to talk about how to pray for the people who are out of order. There are lots of folks that are enraged and demonstrating and expressing things that have been pent up inside of them for generations. Mm. I understand peaceful demonstrations. Okay, there's a problem here. Let's identify the problem. Uh, let, me, let me preface this. I love Africa. We have been to Africa a number of times, and I love ministering with African people. I love it here in the States. I love it in Africa. I love it wherever, wherever I am in the world, wherever that, that, that ethnic group is. But one of the problems that we see here that I don't think it's been talked about much in our country that is causing a lot of the turmoil in the African-American community, and that is the fact that Africa is tribal. And that's why you see so much of what they call black-on-black crime is because it's gone back in their generations and it hasn't been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And God wants to fix this. God wants to fix this. He wants to fix the pain in the hearts of people that has come down through generations because of the curses 
that are still upon the African population that hasn't been redeemed, that hasn't dealt with their bloodlines because of all the witchcraft that has come down the generations. Witchcraft brings curses. I mean, they deliberately curse, but the Bible also is clear that there are curses for upon those, and there are curses that come on the land when there's witchcraft. When witches are allowed to operate, it brings a curse on the land. That's one of the reasons why we have so much turmoil in our nation at this time is because of the witchcraft that's being practiced. But the church is stepping up and saying no to witchcraft. And we had a friend that came to our conference from England and was on an airplane going back and was sitting next to a lady. And she noticed the lady refused her meal on the plane. And she asked her and says, well, I'm fasting, but not for the reason you think. says, I'm fasting with, with a group of witches, a big group of witches. They're on the way to London. They've been fasting like 40 days, I, I think. I think it was 70 days. It was a very large number. Long, long days. And they're going to break their fast together. And their purpose was to break up Christian families and just cause all kinds of, of havoc and ministry. And, you know, our American mindset does not always understand that. But it's just when you hear of things like this, you really know what is going on in the dark realm yes. of what Satan is trying to do through people That's right. know, when they get on the wrong side because there's a fascination about witchcraft and, and right. people want power. Right. And they think they get it and they can get some power, but at the cost of their soul. Yes. It's not worth it. That's absolutely. No. But the power that's available through Jesus Christ yes. is unlimited. Yes, And we're going to see such an outpouring. I believe that the reason why the devil is working so hard to keep the Africans down, and they've kept, he's kept them down for so long, and African Americans keeping them in poverty and keeping them down, is because God has such a plan to use mm. them yes. in this time, in this season, as, as we're waiting for the coming of the Lord, as we're in action for his coming, as we're contending for his coming, we're contending for the outpouring. I don't know any people group that can pray like the African people can pray. Yeah, and even the, the Azusa Street Revival was That's started right. by Daddy Seymour. Yes. He had one eye. He was a black man. He had one eye, and he was the instrument God used, and out of that birthed the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and he was the instrument God used. And through him, it birthed the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that came through all our nation and went to other nations as well. That's right. That's right. And God wants to bring healing. There are so many that are hurting because they've been fatherless. And, and, and having a father makes all the difference in the world. In South Africa, there was a game park that needed some elephants, and there was another game park that had too many elephants. And they didn't have a way to transport the really big ones. So they took some of the young elephants and carried them over into this other game park. And a few years later, they discovered that some of the rhinos were being killed. Now, up to that point, the only reason why rhinos were being killed was by poachers that wanted the horn because it was worth lots of money to some people. But these rhinos were being killed and the, and the horns were still on them. So they began wiring some of the rhinos uh, to, to follow them and they began putting up cameras and so on to try and find out what's going on here. And they found that these young 
elephants, these young bull elephants, uh, had, had formed like a gang. And they were going around trampling the rhinos and killing them. And so they had to euthanize some of the ringleaders. And by that time, they were able to carry some really big elephants. And they brought some daddy elephants, grandpa elephants, from another game park to, to bring them in to show them how a male elephant should behave. And in a short time, these young rogues were under control because they had a father figure. Hmm. And a lot of our problem in, in not just the black community, but a lot of our problem in the people who are, are wanting to riot and, and all upset about all kinds of things has to do with their fatherlessness. And our father, our heavenly father who made us, made provision through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to establish fatherhood, to establish a relationship with father that brings a comfort of constraint. There's a comfort in constraint. Let me tell you another story. Our daughter went to IHOP a number of years ago. One of her teachers told this story about how he was doing a lot of traveling and he had several children and and the middle child was misbehaving. And one time he came back from a trip and he was sick. He'd caught something and he was feeling really, really ill. And this middle child misbehaved and mommy brought him to daddy and said, it's time for him to get the belt. He needs to have daddy's correction. And so daddy didn't feel like it. So after mama left, he says to the child, now, son, mama wants me to give you the belt, but I just don't have what it takes. I'm not feeling well. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to use my belt on the bed. I'm going to give it a hard smack and you're going to howl and scream and, you know, smack and smack and smack. And you howl and cry just as if I really hit you. And then after we're done, you're going to climb up in my lap and I'm going to hold you until I'm done holding you. And so the kid was delighted with this situation. <laughs> and, you know, so he, he hits the bed with his belt. Whack. And the kid goes, ah, whack, ah, whack. And, you know, after it was finished, the, the boy is very happy to climb up on daddy's lap and let him hold him. But after a minute or two, he begins to squirm. And daddy says, son, I'm just going to hold you till I'm done holding you. Just stop squirming. And he squirmed and he squirmed. Son, just get still. I'm just going to hold you. It's going to be okay. When I'm done, I'll let you go. And he squirmed and he squirmed. And finally, finally, he stopped squirming. And he settled in. And he let his daddy hold him. And when the dad felt peace about it, he let him go. You know, a middle child can easily be sort of lost in the shuffle. And it's easy to not really get a good bonding with that child. But from that moment on, this child followed his dad everywhere he went. And he was just there. He was there on his heels. He was just, he was there. And after a few days, he looks up at his dad and he says, Daddy, can we do that holding thing again? Wow. He bonded with him. He bonded yeah. with him. And that's what our Heavenly Father wants to do for all of us. And he especially wants to do that for those who have not had a good fathering. He wants to bring that loving restraint. Now, if you look at Psalm 2, you see that there is a raging of the heathen, of the nations going on. Do you have that? Yeah, I have it here. Why do the nations assemble with commotion 
and why do the people imagine an empty scheme? The kings of the earth take their places. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed one. They say, Let us break their bands asunder and cast their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord has them in derision. That's right. The thing is that these kings of the earth, these leaders, are trying to throw off the restraints that God placed upon us in his word, the restraints that give us loving limits. Just like God said, don't eat from that tree, it's poison, it will kill you. All of these restraints that he spells out in the Bible are restraints that will keep us from hurting ourselves. They're restraints that will keep us from going to hell because he loves us so he paid the price so that we wouldn't have to go there. But we have a choice. And if we choose to throw off the restraints and say, no, I'm not having it, then that's our only option. But God wants the church to rise up in this time and begin to pray for those who are struggling against the restraints because they don't realize that it's their loving Heavenly Father that's trying to restrain them. Pray for them to have a visitation of the love of God. There are witches out there that don't really have a heart to be witches, but they They've fallen into deception. There are those that have no fathers that have fallen into deceit. They have been duped by the enemy into putting them into a position that makes them even more ready to go to hell. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. It's time for us to get up and crash these gates that are surrounding these lives of people that are our harvest. They are the ones that are coming in and the global outpouring. They are the ones that God has on his heart right now that are ready to be saved. They're at hand to come in. And it starts with our prayers as believers. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, where it talks about when John had this vision, um, he was on the Isle of Patmos, and he saw the Christ in all his glory. And all he could do was just like fall at his feet as dead. And John says in the Revelation 1, verses 17 and 18, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last, and the ever-living one. I died, but see, I am alive forevermore, and I possess the keys of death and Hades. And so he is the one who lives inside of us, and he is ready to open those gates and let out the prisoners. Let's get with him in prayer. He's the one that's allowing all of this shaking so that everything that can be shaken is being shaken. So that that which cannot be shaken, his kingdom will remain. That's from Hebrews 12, 27. That which cannot be shaken will remain. It's his kingdom. And we are being called to throw off everything, every kind of distraction that would keep us from doing kingdom business in helping the Lord Jesus as he confronts the gates of hell and the gates of hell will not prevail. It's time to go get the harvest. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask you, O God, to come down 
visit these precious souls that have been duped. They've been deceived. They have, they have not given themselves wholly over to the devil to be a part of his kingdom. And even if they have, Lord Jesus, your blood is strong enough to set them free, to blot out all of their transgressions, to blot out their iniquities, to set them free and deliver them from every demon that they've invited to come and live in them. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would visit them with your love and set people free from all of the the generational curses that have kept them bound and set them free to come and live in the kingdom as the keys have opened the kingdom of God so that we can have our Father in relationship again. Pour out your spirit on all flesh, all over the earth. Amen. Amen. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the good news of God's global outpouring. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, connect with us, get a link to our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. You can browse our online bookstore for amazing anointed material. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence.